the Koigig Pod on Off the Ball in association with Cadbury, official snack partner of the Republic of Ireland women's national team. Katie McCabe, a huge, huge goal. I'm very proud of the team's performance. We're going to go out there to beat them. We're going to try and beat them. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Koi Gig Podcast. Kathleen McNamee here and I am joined as ever by P-Mount's very own and returning Karen Duggan and of course former Ireland and Arsenal player Emma Byrne. Guys, the WSL is back. We had lots of excitement. We had some hat tricks. We had Lauren James going at the Manchester United fans. Manchester United fans going back at her. Them also going at Skinner. Lots of excitement across the board. Um, but before we get into that, last week we obviously were discussing our uh, New Year's resolutions and our fitness. And Karen, you had one of your first fitness tests of the year. And Emma, I saw you kept to your uh, thing of going to the gym. I saw it on your Instagram. So Karen, we'll start with you. How are the legs feeling? We were joking that you're in the sauna at the moment trying to lose weight with your background. For anyone who's not listening in podcast, Karen looks like she's in a wooden cabin or of some sort. Um, but yeah, how are you feeling? I'm gone into hiding after it, that's what it is. <laughs> no, it was fine. It was day one, they took it easy on us. We just did one of those uh, classic one kilometre tests. So I can still run for four minutes. So look, it's a start. It's a start. <laughs> for those uh, non-sporting people amongst us, is that just like running continuously or is it like the beach yeah. where you have to... No, no, no. Just straight run. run. Just get there as quick as you can. That's it. Go, go, go. Oh, that's not too bad. When you were building it up, I thought it was going to be a lot worse. No, mentally, this is something that really gets to me. These, the thoughts of those four minutes is killer. That, that just brings me right back yeah. to when we had to do a 12-minute run. Ours were 12 minutes. Yeah. I remember doing the 12-minute run around the AUL when we were, like, under 15 Ireland. Just And you'd be after lunch, and you'd have had about four plates of tricolour pasta with tomato sauce and then they'd be like come on we're doing 12 minute run and then a 90 minute game and you're like oh. yeah yeah 12, they love the 12 minute run yeah but we were supposed to keep to, to a counter so there were certain points um, around the circle that you had to hit at a certain time and you weren't supposed to go ahead of it and you weren't you were supposed to get there on time basically and um, of course I am like I love rules so every time I was like hitting the marker perfectly Everybody was bombing, <laughs> bombing on, and I was like trotting around, <laughs> so happy with myself. Um, at least I think that that's what I was supposed to do. That's <laughs> <laughs> probably a buzzer to say, give up, you haven't, you haven't made Yeah, maybe I'm, I was supposed to do it as fast as I could, I don't know. I wasn't the slowest person though, and as a goalkeeper, I actually was a bit competitive with this, because you know, goalkeepers have a reputation of being, uh, well... People who aren't goalkeepers think that goalkeepers are a little bit lazy. They're not quick. They're usually the slowest. That's why they're putting goal. This is not true. I'll have you know, not true. Just put it out there. And I made I made sure everybody felt that in preseason. <laughs> that was my motivation. <laughs> yeah, fitness tests are funny though as well because, like, I don't know if I'm as fit as I showed, but I'm very pig headed, and I don't like to be beaten. So. I think that that's the worst. The worst is the um, uh, the bleep test because you're like literally you think you're going to cough up a lung and then (laughs) you're like that's it I'm out and literally five seconds later you're like I can go back in can I go back in (laughs) I know 
it just gets to a point where you can't breathe but like you are all you need is like a minute two minutes and then you can go back in i think the beep test kind of been done away with now has it i haven't heard of too many people doing a beep test in a long time i really hope so because it is so destroying it's i think it used to have a a slightly bad name as in like it wasn't called the bleep test it was called something else and then as a and also like they used to do a lot in schools like we used to do it mm-hmm. in school but they would literally do it to the point where like girls were getting sick like they just weren't fit enough to do that sort of test they could have like changed it so i think they kind of banned it for like younger levels or like it was seen as not appropriate for younger levels and maybe that has gone through the upper stages as well that's why we're all soft now these days I would love to know what psychotic teacher would do a bleep test in PE. Yeah. <laughs> like we used, to do we used to go around like playing badminton and dodgeball. Yeah. We used to Walking do all around. the time. And we had a teacher that if you didn't get to a certain point in the bleep test, she then made you like sit and do like press ups or like sit ups or whatever. So like you were kind of running and in your head trying to calculate, okay, if I drop out now, which is actually going to be worse. Like maybe if she's not looking, I can kind of lie on the ground for a second and then like start doing the pull-ups again. Yeah. It wasn't a, wasn't a fun time, especially for me, who was not a sporting inclined in any way. (laughs) Like I would be more likely to, rather than drop out, I'd be the person who would just like fall over their own feet and then miss the beep because of that rather than anything else. Um, but you both have now given me a great idea for a segment since you both admitted that you're incredibly stubborn and pig-headed, which I did know already to like pit you against each other sometime and see how well that goes. So I think uh, all our listeners would very much be entertained by that. So if that, that is something be the end will... of the podcast as we know it. <laughs> <laughs> and a decade of friendship down the drain. I mean, I... it's just it's just impossible. It can't happen for me. Maybe for Karen it can happen, but... No, 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 no. They just, I mean, you'd have to, I'd have to get three operations before that. And then the recovery after that would be just like, Karen will be retired by then. So you have to think about her, like, give her her a break, give her a break. (laughs) I have to save the last few miles that are left in my legs. (laughs) Oh, we can wait until you're retired, Karen. Don't you worry. This is a, this is a long third thing. I can make the exercise is good for however geriatric you were feeling at the time <laughs> It'll be oh, i tell you what would be good though if we could nominate someone to do it if you could nominate someone to do the bleep test and we were in a competition who would you nominate obviously Anya O'Gorman <laughs> oh Anya yeah she <laughs> <laughs> just doesn't stop you think we're stubborn good gosh yeah, but you know what? Yeah, she struggled towards the end. I can just picture on you now, like just really trying to get to that. <laughs> We've done, I've done bleep tests with Anya. Yeah, she was one of the last ones standing, to be fair. Well, who would you pick? Yeah, I, I don't know. I asked the question and I've, I have no idea. Okay, I would have, have if I could bring Jane Ludlow back from. Surely you'd want like a, a Heather Payne or something in the mix there. And Heather does some running. Heather does some running. What was it? Fifteen k in the in the warm up or something. Like <laughs> okay, I'll take Heather. I'll take Heather. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we may need to change that match up a little bit. But hey, if you want to bring a team of people together, I wasn't actually going to force you into the bleep test either. I was going to like find something that's a little bit more kind because I'm not that cruel a master of the podcast that I would make you guys do the bleep test. Um, we have Emma Carroll back on the podcast this week to do a team of the week, and we will be looking at some WSL action. But before that, 
we have had some listener questions in and some of them we'll get to a little bit later on because they're more WSL focused. But AF slash Manu Defender wants to know, Karen, how you are feeling about the signings of your new Bulls duo teammates. Yeah, it's great. I mean, um, we're looking to bolster the squad because, you know, we're going to have more games this year. The All-Island League is scattered in amongst the league um, and as well we have Champions League to look for. And yeah, there's been a lot of movement again in the league. So delighted to have the new girls on board. Um, long pre-season ahead, everyone will be fighting for spots and I guess that's only a good thing. So um, yeah, I mean, we we're very happy with the squad that we had last year as well. We've managed to keep um, almost everyone from that, so we can't we can't ask for much more than than what we have. Um, again, people spoke about us being underdogs last year for a reason because we didn't have the same resources and uh, to offer as certain other clubs. And if anything, it's harder again this year because more clubs are, are offering more money and um, accommodation and things like that stuff that we just don't have. So we're excited about the squad that we do have. We're going to do our best with that squad. Um, and that's all we can do. Again, I, I'm not going to start talking about winning leagues and stuff like that just because it's it's so hard to know where you are in comparison to other teams until you get into it. So, But yes, very happy to have signed um, Kira. And Well, if we're starting at the, the bar we're starting at is you can run for four minutes. So we'll build up to minutes. you possibly winning the league as we go yeah. over the course of the season. Maybe um, yeah, exactly. Baby steps. Well, yeah. I mean, you're both already doing better than I am when it comes to... I haven't stuck to my walking. Oh, well, no, actually, I did a bit of walking last week when I was home in Sligo. But the well, see, that's the thing. Like, I love it when I'm home in Sligo because I get to walk on the beach and it's just like, you know, you have... It's a nice, like, tight 2K. You do, like, your fast walking. I'm like, was it Rob Heffernan? Whenever he does, like, the race walking. that That's how I look whenever I do it. Um, But yeah, enough of me that's whittling on. It's been a... That's how I look when I'm crossing the road. You know, I pretend to run if somebody lets me go. I'm yeah, like, or if someone is holding a door open for you. That's <laughs> this, this, is a, this is one of my things. Like, I refuse to hold doors anymore because it really bugs me when someone holds yeah. <laughs> Because you have to do that silly pretend run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I never know what the good thing is. Like, do you acknowledge that the person is behind you and you know there's a distance or does it just look really, like, insincere if you give them, like, a quick smile and they close the door in their face or do you just, like, storm on through like you haven't seen them? And Storm. Storm, storm, storm. Stormtrooper. Well, I, I give them the little option of, of running, but I swing the door out a little bit for them. Like I'm helping them a little bit. So I go past the door and I'll open it wider than I normally have to. <laughs> if they want to run slash walk towards it. I feel like if there's any... Uh, I don't know, analysts that listen to this podcast who want to tell us what it tells about our three separate personalities that we've three different approaches to this. Uh, we would very much like to hear at the Koi Gig Pod on Twitter. <laughs> um, but yeah, before we go too deep into door discourse, because sadly that's not what people have come to us to listen to, <laughs> we shall have Emma Carroll up next, as I said before, and then we will have some WSL analysis for you all. Yes, so we are joined this week by Emma Carroll for her first WSL team of the 2024, I was about to say season, 2024 year. Keep doing that. Um, Emma, how are things? Good. To be honest, I was just enjoying the door chat, so I don't think anybody really wants to hear the team of the week. <laughs> I mean, we, we do. 
We could revisit that at some stage, but uh, it was actually quite a good weekend of football and there was a lot of really interesting performances. So I'm going to let you take it away with your team of the week. So I went for Van Dumsler in goal. It was a weekend where I kind of contemplated maybe not putting any defenders in, but I went with Nailing, <laughs> Mubamai and Alexandria at the back and then Cuthbert, Valdi, Canarad, Coombs and Clinton. Kind of a five-ish and the two hat-trick uh, geniuses that's Bunny Shaw and Lauren James because they just can't score, stop scoring hat-tricks yeah imagine, shout out to Bunny Shaw third hat-trick two. of the year and Lauren James has scored the most bridge imagine those two playing together though ah <laughs> uh, you no it's <laughs> over before it started <laughs> playing together that is that is dangerous yeah Grace Clinton was so Could good. you actually have the two of them in the same team? Like, would they be able to yes. play together? Yes. <laughs> Lauren James just off Bunny Shaw? Oh, yeah. 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 Doesn't matter. <laughs> they're, when they're that the good, ball's the going to stick yeah. to them no matter what you do. And then all you, your whole tactic has to be, can you find their feet? And then if you want to join, join. <laughs> I wouldn't bother. <laughs> I'd be sitting back in the centre circle. Like, I'm like, oh, girls. <laughs> No, they're, yeah, they're kind of breaking away from the pack in terms of being head and shoulders uh, this season. Just the standout players, I think, the two of them. Yeah, I mean, they're they're top goal scorers, aren't they? And then you've got um, Terslan for Brighton. She's keeping them. Yeah. She's loaded. <laughs> <laughs> She she is, uh, yeah, she's doing brilliant for them, isn't she? I can't believe she's up there, to be honest, considering the performances of Brighton, but um, she's quality. They'd be very, very, very lucky to keep her this summer. Very. <laughs> her contract's <laughs> up like it's be thrown ever than at her. Please, please, please stay. Um, but she's quality. Grace Clinton was, she's going to be some player, isn't she? Yeah. If, if you were in the Man United kind of back room now, would you be kind of like, do we, can we get a, yeah, back. would let's you take her, her back straight let's away? Back. Let's just yeah, let's cook, let's rip up the contract and take her back. She's so good, she's so good. But it's so good for these players to go out and get these these minutes under their belt. The same happened um, last year with Jess Park, and you know maybe she'll think about doing that again. To be honest, because as soon as you go back to the parent club and you're not getting minutes. I can't imagine how that must feel like you. You've done so well. You're in the limelight. You're getting selected for England squads and then you go back to your to your main club and you're not getting the minutes. That must be very frustrating. Um, but yeah, Van Domsler's class, I think she's such a good keeper. She, um, do you know what? She still has loads of room for improvement. So I think she's depending on, you know, the right coaches and the right environment. I think she's going to be top, top drawer. But yeah, I wouldn't disagree with many of them, to be quite honest, Emma. Very good yeah. team. Take Great a team. good start to the year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of like um, good to see Valti in there because, you know, there was so much chat around her future at the at Arsenal. Um, that was good that that hasn't affected her or maybe it spurred her on even more. But yeah, she was she was excellent in the middle. She's quality. Yeah. Emma Carroll, you said. She's a great holding player. Sorry, Emma, you go ahead. Yeah, I just think she's a great holding player and they're very hard to come by. And actually, I I wonder how important she is or how they feel about her because I think she's one of Arsenal's most important players. And I'm not sure how 
much of an emphasis that is, but um, they they need to keep her. I think, I think they need to keep hold of her. But we still have a week left, and I have a feeling there's going to be more movements in this week. Do you? Go on, go viral again. Where? Go on, Mystic Emma's coming out. Come on, um, it's very general. It's a very general comment. I think there's going to be more movement. There will be movement <laughs> in the next week, and that is it. Literally, that is all I think. Come on, who's who's running up to the door? Transfer door. Come on. <laughs> That is it. That is it. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Um, I'm, I'm saying Carol, there's another you... week. There's another week. Is I mean, I'm not wrong there. Am I? <laughs> no, you're not wrong. No, yeah, we've got a week yet. <laughs> you are correct, and also I think it's a general trend that you do tend to see a few more things happening in the last week. So you're not wrong in what you said, but if you want to drop some names, either and just speculate a little bit more, like we no won't comment way. anything on it. Not Who do you time. think is most in need of a signing? Um, well, depends on what end of the scale you're looking at. If you're looking at the higher end, um, I would say Man United. But they're out, well, let's say it, they're out of the running really now, so are they? You're yeah, you're ten points. ruling them out? I think so. Um I w- United up there in the top four, like they ne- they need to to mm. hang on to those three in front of them. They need a sign, a couple of signings. I think personally, I don't think Arsenal need any more. I don't think uh, City need any more. Chelsea, I think they're fine, but unfortunately, you can't rely on you can't rely on Lauren James because she's she needs to find that that consistency level does she and when she finds that that's it that's all you need that's, you just need <laughs> it's just her. Um, but i actually do think they need uh, another player whether it's a number 10 look a top top player whether it's a number 10 or an out and out nine uh, they i do think they need another player but i'm not sure we're going to see any anyone go in there and at the bottom end i mean obviously obviously it's bristol isn't it i mean just looking at that game of the week. Probably unlikely that they'll get signings. If they want to stay up though, they need it. Yeah. I mean, that's a big pretty, ask. No, that's an obvious yeah. comment. So. Well, on the Chelsea point, I mean, Emma Hayes is kind of well known for getting a lot of her business done early and it being announced early. So I think you're probably right in that I'd be surprised to see anyone coming along unless she has something up her sleeve or something has been delayed contractually wise. Um, what about West Ham? They're also down the bottom tied with I think they've at made the moment on point. Signings, great signings, yeah. I think mm. Gary is going to be huge for them. Like every yeah. time she got on the ball, she was so proactive with it in the game. So I think that they will be fine, but... Um, they do need to tighten up the back, obviously, um, but they're conceding four. But um, I think they've done good business, to be fair to them. It was needed, but I think, yeah, they made yeah, moves, which is good to see. They're, they're, they, they've made huge, huge signings. Mm-hmm. Like, I think actually these results have been poor for them. I know it's very difficult to get team to jail straight away, but if you bring in, I mean, she's got, Rianne Skinner's got a team of internationals now. And, and what Karen said, the back line actually looks like is what they should have been improving on because they do leak goals, but they've got players that can go in and score as well. So uh, I don't think 
they're I don't think they're going to be in the bottom. I don't think they'll have anything to worry about a couple of games in. They'll collect points with that team, 100%. And just looking at them, how they play and everything, like I know they concede silly goals, but that's all, that can be fixed in two weeks. Yeah. Um, and they're going to score goals. And just looking at the teams around them, that they look like a better team than, mm. than Brighton, than Bristol. They look like a better team than Villa at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I would say them and Everton are, are on par at the minute. Mm, that's a big call, an interesting one. Well, you shall see how it unfolds over the rest of the season. Uh, Emma Carroll, any final points you would like to make on your team before you depart? Uh, no, it was great to see Miedema back for a good stint in the team as well. I thought she looked actually really good for probably her first 70 minutes. Is that the longest she's played so far? But maybe really good. And Hannah Hampton was decent as well. Go for Chelsea. Worth an honourable mention. I love the little clip that went viral of her where she got away with. I think she put a ball out, but the referee gave her definitely got a fingertip to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's like the smile on her face being pure, like he he got away with that one. Uh, Emma, thank you very much for joining us as always, and we look forward to many more teams of the weeks in 2024. Thank you. And we are back with some WSL analysis. So I feel like we have to start with Chelsea versus Manchester United, even though it may make Karen very sad. Um, Karen, initial thoughts on this matchup. Uh, I mean, we can talk about Lauren James's brilliance, but I suppose we also have to talk about United and how they couldn't deal with it. Um, yeah, I think it was a result. I expected based on how United have been playing. Um, and it's frustrating because they started playing when they were 2-0 down and you're just kind of like, why Why is it taking something like that? Um, is there still that thing that they're, I don't know, intimidated by the teams that are ahead of them, by Chelsea's success and, and stuff like that? And it, it looked a bit like it. Um, and they just can see they don't make teams work as hard as Chelsea or Arsenal do to to score goals um or City, which um is a pity. They did grow into the game. You know, there's definitely some positives to take. I think that um obviously we can talk about it in a bit. Uh, Skinner felt very hard done by by uh one of the penalty appeals. Um well, there was two penalty appeals. I think one was uh, possibly uh more uh, to be considered Galton's one um, but looking at Chelsea surely you say someone go out in the first few minutes and and maybe try and get in Lauren James's head leave a mark on her if you can in some way like that's someone nice has way. that's a nice way of saying someone, <laughs> someone has to show her special attention um, I think we saw Arsenal do that against Chelsea I think that they kept her farther away from goal and um, you know they were just at her at her at her and she was quiet and she reacted and she was she was kind of lashing out and things like that and Man United didn't have well, maybe no one was assigned to do it but someone maybe should have taken that on themselves because she scored a hat-trick and she's she's that player that can do that so you have to pay attention to that yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally agree. And I agree. Like she's such a she's such a good player. Like, how do you deal with her? Well, first of all, you hope she's not on form because that can happen quite a lot. And and secondly, if she is, you can tell in the first ten minutes or her first couple of touches what it's going to be like for her. 
And if she is informed, then it's like what you say, Karen, you have to get in, get in and around her. You have to be like annoying her mm-hmm. and just went like chasing back and winning the ball off her. But um, I would have to say about the United defenders. Yeah. They're like, soft. Is there softness to them? What's going on there? They used to be so resilient. Like they yeah. were so good, such a good connection. And I know Ona Batia held it together. Is a huge player. Yeah. I don't know if you were what. Did any of you see the the Barca Levante game? I just That's saw her highlight. being revered on Twitter. Yeah. Oh my god! Like ridiculous. She's ridiculous. She's she's unbelievable. But anyway, big loss. But. They were all I mean, Riviere is not bad, but I think just the dynamic in the backs, there's an uncertainty to them. It's like they've lost a little bit of, she, like you say, that. Bad, but for a lot of the time, the, the, the shape of the back line was all over the place, which I, I don't really get at this level. And, you know, against Chelsea, no, because you have to keep it tight. You cannot, you cannot be. So Riviera was higher up the pitch when the ball came in for, I can't remember what goal it was, but when the ball was flicked on to Lauren James. Like, where was Riviera? She was higher up. She should be tucking round. And if she's not going to tuck round, which sometimes happens, the message has got to come from behind for Letizia to cover Lauren James. I mean, as you said, that's the player. That is the player on the pitch that you need to worry about. So you need to make sure you're defending her. And I was, I just was looking at it thinking, these are all over the place. The last season, whatever about, you know, we're talking about scoring goals. We talked about their midfield. This season, we're talking about individual players and not performing. The back line also has to be, you know, talked about because they're not playing well. They are leaking goals that they shouldn't be leaking. So, you know, things that can be fixed as well. But um, I'm not sure they're going to be fixed this season because there just seems to be some stuff going on there with United. Um. And, and they just don't look like a team that should be up there. They 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 should be fighting for Champions League. They're not. They don't look like they're going to fight for that either. So uh, yeah, it's just about next season now. What Mark Skinner's going to do for next season? Does it feel like that United this season have kind of lost their like star quality or like their little spark that they had? You know, obviously Baggi is gone, Essie Russo is gone. It's not necessarily that's affected Mary Earps' play, but like obviously there's been a lot of talk outside of like her actual performances for United in terms of transfers and how successful she's been just in general. And then you look at the rest of the team, like Ella Toom probably hasn't had her best season that she's had in a while. And then in terms of like big names that you're like getting excited about, there isn't really any of those players on United squad compared to like your Chelsea City Arsenals. No, 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 there aren't. I mean, I think I I heard on the radio 20-something players went out of United. Like, they released so many players um, and they haven't brought in players that are going to replace, you know, like, we talk about uh, Russo, quality player. Um, for me, not world-class, but very, very good. She's a top-class player who affects other players around her. So we, I'm saying individuals haven't performed, but actually those individuals are probably suffering because Russo's not up there as that number nine. Toon played off Russo. They played really, really well together. That's going to affect Toon's movement and her performance a little bit. She's going to have to find another way to play without Russo. And then you're talking about Ona Batye, who made everybody better because everyone was so worried about her going up the line. 
it meant the two midfielders, whether it's Hayley Ladd, Zellum, whatever, they have more space because the midfielders are getting dragged out to cover Ona Batier. And not only that, once the once she's on the pitch, the opposite side of the pitch is going to have way more space. So you're talking about Galton having more space. And that's what United did last season. When the, the ball broke, when they were in possession and they lost possession and won it back. So the second cycle, they were so good in that. In the second counter where they had Galton free or... Yeah, I think that's a really good point because all season I've been like, why isn't Galton having the same effect as she had last year? And it was because they had Baggi like wearing down the right-hand side until such a time that they could switch it and free up Galton. And then she was really potent last season and obviously had Russo to work with as well for her crosses. So um, it's amazing that the knock-on effect that losing a right back and have because a lot of people would think oh it's not the biggest catastrophe in the world people talked about Russo more but yes it is uh, certainly telling this year the more you you watch Batia playing in in La Liga or La Liga F you realise what a player she is like I know it's for me it's a it's a lesser of standard I think the WSL is a higher standard and more physical but just little like she's playing on the left and she's actually better on the left than she is on the right she's just quality just her decision making and stuff like that and that has a knock on effect if you lose a player like that it's you're not just losing a full back you're losing the effect she has on everybody around her so that's like <laughs> that's a big loss and that's including Mary Earp so she's still quality but when you're when you lose that pace at the back that covers in and around like it's a big it's a big thing hmm and then just finally on the United one, a uh, question in from listener Deirdre on Twitter at the Quigig Pod, if anyone wants to send us in questions during the week. Who wants to know your thoughts on the Skinner sign at the weekend? Is it really all that bad? So the, for anyone who didn't see it, there was a Skinner out sign in the crowd and that kind of follows reports that there had been some fans uh, in there kind of between Christmas and New Year games chanting about Skinner and not wanting him around. Karen, as a resident United supporter, is it that bad? Did fans just kind of players need to get used to this sort of crack? Um, yeah, I well, he's not going anywhere. If you listen to his interview after, he has full belief in what he's doing, and uh, it's <clears throat> yeah, he's. I think he's saying with the resources that he had that he's doing a, a good job. Um, I don't know where. I suppose last season there was a point where United were involved in the title race, and obviously fans had that expectation that that will continue. But you had City dropping a lot more points than they were this year. You had Arsenal dropping points. You had Chelsea dropping points. It wasn't as much to do with United playing brilliantly as it was to do with um, the other teams faltering a little bit at certain stages throughout the year um, and it made it exciting and obviously you do get these expectations then that will be similar um, but based on the signings or lack of like Emma said a world class signing um, I think this is the level that United are at so if they're frustrated with something I think it should be the transfers uh, potentially Um that's not a Manchester United problem at all. No, never. Recruitment code. is perfect in every way. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's it's hard to say. You feel like at this point of the season, um, they, sh- they should be more cohesive and he should be getting more out of the players. So I do understand the frustration. But saying Skinner out, I don't know. Like, who who do they want to replace him? Is 
is the bigger thing. Then. Yeah, it, it is a bit of a strange one, isn't it? Because, yeah. you know, obviously they were, they did excellent last season. For me, they probably did, they were doing more than they should have. Like, yeah. and if City had played well and hadn't dropped silly points. I mean, it always, sh- City should be up there no matter what. So, well, I think we're seeing that this season. I think this is the realism of, of the league, what we're seeing now, first, second, third, and then United fourth. United are a fourth team team, unless they make huge signings. I think Jacey's a very good signing and I really like her. And I've said it before, I really like her on the right-hand side. For me, she's not a number nine. Um, I really like Lucia Garcia. She's a, she's she's a great player. I love her to, to bits, but for me, is a very good player to come off the bench. So we're talking about players, you know, that aren't the answer. Like yeah. you needed to to get, and and I know Riviera is good. She's young. She is good, but again, for me, not the answer. Like she gets caught out of position a, a lot. Like she's she needs more experience. Um, but you've got you've got to bring in if if you sell Russo, okay, or Russo goes, you have to bring in a top top class number nine, top class number nine, yeah, top class number nine. Top and Jason class. was never the answer coming from Barcelona. No. Number one, she wasn't getting her game, and number two, when she was playing nine, she wasn't producing, so it wasn't going to be her. I think goal scorer, top class center mid, box to box center mid. Um, it's definitely dear Mark Skinner. Karen is sending her wish list in. If you could please provide by as Emma Byrne has qualified <laughs> next week. And next week, <laughs> um, moving along because we could probably talk about United and Chelsea for most of this podcast, to be honest. But there were other games at the weekend. Two interesting fixtures to kind of go side by side, just by some of the stuff that you guys have said already in the podcast. So Arsenal two, Everton one, and then West Ham losing. 4-3 to Tottenham. Um, I'm p- putting those two together because, Emma, you said about you think that West Ham potentially could be similar level to Everton if they get their act together with the like current signings. And we've been quite... We've praised Everton quite a bit this season. Obviously, Irish contingent's doing very well in there. Um, they've got some good results. They've kind of maybe found a consistency of form. We haven't seen too much from them before. But just your, you can choose between either two, which one you want to start with. But just your thoughts, please. <laughs> West Ham's first. West Ham Tottenham. West Ham Tottenham. Yeah. Go for it. Nice uh, little seven goal thriller. Yeah, I mean, what a game. What a game. Um, I thought West Ham were slightly better, to be quite honest. Um, I, I'm enjoying watching Tottenham develop, though, and uh, watching this coach come I in. And he's a great crack. <laughs> I think Spurs are a great crack. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's you can see that they've got the confidence to get forward. Like they have changed yeah. their mentality a little bit, um, and I think they are going to get a little bit better. But realistically. That's the team. That's the squad. Like, it's not going to... I don't think they're going to surprise us too much. Whereas I think West Ham, with these players that have come in, I think they will just continue to improve. And I think they're going to finish the season really, really strong. And actually, maybe we'll be talking about them going, wow, if they had that team at the beginning, where would Man United be (laughs) at the table? (laughs) Who knows? But yeah, I mean, on paper... They've got a great team. They've a good goalkeeper. For me, you have to have 
a very good goalkeeper, experienced goalkeeper. And a lot of the teams don't have that in the WSL. And I think Mackenzie Arnold is one of those. Um, Suzoko, if if she can stay on the pitch, I think is a very good defender. <laughs> like if you can just get her disciplined, um, which I think Rianne Skinner can. Um, and then you've got, we talked about Rory, absolutely quality player. She's she's so strong and Shimizu, great technically. Ueki, like there's loads of players in there that are, are world class. So they should be up there. So actually there's a little bit of pressure on Rianne Skinner now. They've spent a lot of money and they've pushed players out the door and they've brought new players in like they're big statements um, obviously not not that much pressure because let's be honest, she's just come in. So I'm sure they'll give her a little bit of time with this new team. But we're going to be talking about West Ham in the, the higher half of the table for sure. Next season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Karen, you said you enjoy watching Spurs. Um, I mean, we have seen this team be very Spursy over the seasons <laughs> where like we've had great starts and then they've just totally faltered or else it's gone the other way around and... It's just hard to know where they stand a lot of the time. Yeah, but this is different because they, they're creating an identity. It's a bit mad, like when they try to do it against the likes of Man City, it's absolute kamikaze stuff. But, you know, the aim of the game is score more goals than your opposition. They managed that. Um, and like Villaham has said that, you know, he wants to grow the game and that means entertaining the crowds and they're doing that. Um, if I was a supporter, I think I'd be more stressed about it. But as a neutral, it's, it's very enjoyable. To well, watch. I looked up after the game saying that he really enjoyed it. And I was yeah. like, how as a manager did you enjoy that? Would you not be stressed to high evidence? But I suppose maybe that's a good sign of the mentality that he's bringing to the club as well in terms of, you know, enjoy your football as you say, kind of kamikaze style football, but also some good results. Like I'd say they would have been very, very happy walking away from West Ham with that win. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very good result. You know, it's keeping them in touching distance of um, United and, and Liverpool. So um, it's a great result for them. And, you know, they've got really good players. Like the top three are good. Thomas is playing really well. He, she, she was a good signing. England, obviously, after coming back from injury, um, was a little bit quiet, but, you know, uh, she's always going to be a, a mainstay in that squad. And then having Clinton for the rest of the year, she's another top, top quality player. So um, I think they'll continue to score goals. So maybe at some point he'll address the, the leaky back, but <laughs> I hope not because it just makes for entertainment. Long may we watch it as it continues. One of the other big scoring games at the weekend uh, was Brighton and Bristol, two teams that are kind of in that same area of relegation where he's Bristol, obviously bottom on goal difference at the moment on five points. Talked a little bit, obviously, about Sterling already in the team of the week because she had a really, really good game getting that 95th minute winner, which is uh, very important for Brighton in the context of these games. Emma, still very much at the feeling that Bristol are the team that are going to go down this season? Yeah, I mean, it was it was this game. I was putting all my eggs on this game. I was like, whoever wins this game staying up. <laughs> That's the way I was looking at it. And it was, I think it was that important. I think I, think I might have scared the girls a little bit as I was driving away from the the, the training ground. I was like, don't forget, this game is, is, you either stay up or you go down with this result. And they were like, this defines your whole future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this defines your whole career. 
on, on Sunday. <laughs> um, but it, it felt like one of those games. I was at, I was at the game and it felt like, you know, that they were desperate to, to get a result, Brighton and Bristol. And it was a little bit scrappy at times, I think, because of that. But um, what a win for, for Brighton. So important, huge. I think it's a massive three points. And that's the game I was uh, focusing on this weekend because it is literally at this stage trying to scrap together and get points to stay up. And um, and yeah, this was the game for me that was very important. And was there something in particular that Brighton did that like got them over that line in a way that Bristol couldn't? Or was it literally just pure, like complete trying, trying, trying and just being the one to kind of knock down the wall eventually? No, I mean, Brighton did look the better team to me. They had possession, um, a lot more possession. They were getting forward a lot more and Bristol were defending and they were doing they were doing that quite well. But then the decision-making from Brighton in the final third was like, oh, like for me, it was like, wow, you're just gifting Bristol because they were enjoying the possession and then making horrible decisions. And it's like, okay. And then Bristol looked quite dangerous when they got forward. They have a, a Scottish player up there. Um, her name's Harrison. And she, she looks quite dangerous when she gets on the ball. So I was like, this could be just, this could go either way. Right until the 95th minute, I was like, this could go. Either way, I was like, Brighton look like the better team, but Bristol look dangerous when they get when they get into those areas, which wasn't wasn't enough. Um, but yeah, to be honest, I thought Brighton did deserve to win. I thought they were the better team, but it could have went either way. And you know, Bristol, yeah, because if you look at the goals Bristol conceded, I think they'll be disappointed. Like the first one, they caused their own problems slow to react when they were playing out you know just played right into Brighton's hands this is what I don't really get with them because they can be quick going forward and in a game like this I want to be playing in the opposition half as much as possible so and you know every team that Bristol play press high against them like like they know they're going to try and play out there are times where you have to be like right I just want to win this game I just want you to to pop that in to to midfield and then support and get higher up the pitch. We need to get Harrison. We need to get Thestrup on the ball. But like that, they were just trying to play again. I was like, mm, just get the result. It, it doesn't really matter if it's ugly today. Go again next week, you know. But um, yeah, it's, it's it's difficult, and and I think you can see it. Like the WSL for me is the best league in the world. And I think it's the most difficult. And coming up, I think there's a big gap from WSL2 to WSL1. And I think every team's going to struggle a little bit. Although I have been hearing a lot of stuff about WSL2 teams making these sign-ins and building their team. So I actually think it's going to be a different story next season about who goes up. I think they're I definitely think some of the teams that are competing at the top of it are like really trying. You look at the signings that you're making and I'm like, hmm, that's an interesting signing for a championship side. But I think it's with a view of we want to progress. And it's why I slightly hope with the new system that's coming in for managing the two that maybe it's more than just one team that goes up so that teams are actually getting more than like one season to prove their worth. Because again, you get the bump from going up, you get like the increased people coming to games, you get televised games, all those different things. P- players become more recognisable. It's more of a brand. It's very hard to build off just one season 
in the WSL. Whereas if there's two teams, at least there's that option of kind of like for a little while. Anyways, I don't know if it'll actually happen, but I think it would. I think it would help things a bit. And um, we are quickly running out of time, so we also had Man City five, Liverpool one. Liverpool given up that one goal lead very unfortunately. Um, Gemma Bonner on goal, and then. Bunny Shaw doing what Bunny Shaw does. I mean, is there much more that we can say about her after mentioning her in our team of the week? Yeah, we could keep talking about her all day. But <laughs> we won't. I think it would just be us being like, isn't she great? We love watching her. It's great. Um, she, she's I just City in general. I, I just like watching them. I love watching them. I think they're a great team. And I think she's absolutely lapping up those those balls coming in because they do have the best wingers in the country and they do have one of the best centre forwards so it's just it's just they're just a really nice team to watch and they look like they know what they're doing um, everyone can play there's no everyone's so good on the ball from keeper right up to bunny sometimes she plays a little bit too much the keeper Kayara <laughs> uh, Keating um, but yeah, great team. Really nice to watch. But he's changing it a little bit again. Uh, makes me nervous when it comes to this time of the season and the team changes a little bit. Because it's really difficult for someone like, for example, Kasparoy. He likes Kasparoy. He's going to start Kasparoy's right back. Okay. But then you've got Esme Morgan who's sitting on the bench who won't be happy about sitting on the bench. That always causes a little bit, you know, whoever's, if you're, you're usually playing and you're sat on the bench, obviously there's going to be a little bit of an atmosphere. But then injuries. So you have to depend on those players. And it's all about how you manage those players. I mean, Emma Hayes is the perfect example. She does a great job on how she does that. Um, I just hope that that at City that that's been done well because that's exactly what they need now and that's exactly what could be their downfall <laughs> towards the end of the season, like how the team is managed and how the team's going to change and can they get the best out of the players. So I think it's going to be an awesome end to the season. Very exciting. Yeah, no, it definitely is going to be an exciting one. Well, we hope so anyways. We're like we're halfway through. That was the halfway point of the season. Um match day twelve coming up on the twenty seventh of this weekend. We have Brighton facing Chelsea, United at home to Aston Villa, Everton at home to Leicester, City away to Tottenham, Bristol at home to West Ham, and then Liverpool at home to Arsenal, which should be interesting considering how those games that sometimes go could be a little bit of a bogey one. And then in terms of the table, Chelsea are top. They're ahead by three points on 28. City and Arsenal tied on 25 behind them. And then at the bottom, you have Bristol and West Ham both on five and their nearest is Leicester on 10. So as we've seen, because there are so few fixtures, things can change very, very quickly. Um, and that's why we're here to guide you through it and give all our thoughts and feelings and opinions and our thoughts on opening doors for people because we're we're polite <laughs> like that. Uh, Emma and Karen, thank you very, very much for joining me as always. The Koi Gig Pod on Off The Ball is sponsored by Cabri, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. If you want to get in contact with us and get featured on the podcast, please do tweet us at the Koi Gig Pod. Um, we're always monitoring that account. You can send us messages. We're always looking for people uh, for certain opinions on things. And we have our team of the week and all that sort of stuff up there as well. So if you want to give your opinions on specific stuff like that, 
that is the place. I say we're always on it. I'm always on it. And then I sometimes bring other people in on it because I like being in control of things. Um, But for this week, that is all from us. And we will see you again next week with all the usual crack and analysis. Thank you very much for listening. The Koi Gig Pod on Off The Ball in association with Cadbury, official snack partner of the Republic of Ireland women's national team.